Well, we're going to dive right in tonight, guys, um, only because uh, it seems fitting uh, to just get it over with. If we're going to get it over with, we should just get it over with. Um, I, I was telling someone earlier today, uh, I think it was Mike, uh, that finishing the book of John is like saying goodbye to a really close friend as they, like, as they move away. Uh, because it's been so fun. We've spent so much time together. Uh, I can honestly say, John saying he's the disciple whom Jesus loved, I can say he is the God, or his is the gospel, which I love because I love this gospel. It's super awesome. Uh, and I'm just really excited uh, for what I've learned personally on a personal note, uh, just doing uh, study through the book of John. I, I think I've read through the book of John probably close to 15 to 20 times uh, over the course of the last three or four years. Um, if you remember, and you were one of the people who were here back when we started, John, I said it was a study that I'd been preparing for for over a year, uh, and now a year and a half through this book, uh, this conclusion is a conclusion that's the better part of two years in the making. And, uh, and so I don't know if that's setting myself up for failure, uh, putting that much weight on one sermon, um, because I will fail if there's that much weight put on it. But uh, it's just been really, really rich. Uh, we titled the series uh, all those months ago, I Saw the Light, um, and based off of a great old Hank Williams song. And, uh, and we, we used to sing it all the time. It was really fun and hokey. But uh, the truth of the matter is... Uh, the purpose that John had when he wrote this gospel uh, some 1900 and a half years ago uh, was he wanted believers, he wanted non-believers, he wanted the world to experience the light, and that light being Jesus Christ. Uh, he, he writes that uh, this is written so that you may believe. And, and his purpose, and as has been the purpose of the church and, and believers ever since Jesus left this earth, uh, was that people may believe. When they hear the name of Jesus, that they would call upon the name of Jesus, they would be saved, that they would believe, and that they would experience the light, uh, the life, and really the love of Jesus Christ. And so as we, uh, as we bring this to a close, um, I want to do just a little bit of review. Uh, we're just going to blast from the very beginning all the way up until chapter 20. Uh, and, and we're going to just recap what's happened uh, in this book as we go and we look uh, at Jesus doing one of the greatest things. Uh, and I say greatest in quotes. Jesus does one of the greatest things we can do in our lives today. Uh, here in chapter 21, he eats breakfast. Uh, but that's that's why it's in quotes. It's not truly one of the greatest things. I think if you were to ask a, a doctor, they would say breakfast or a nutritionist. Breakfast is a very good way to start off today. I had a bowl of oatmeal today for breakfast uh, with some cranberries in it. Uh, and it was very, very good. Um, it wasn't chicken fried steak, but I'll live. Um, so, John chapter 1 starts off. Uh, in a very unique, unique way. Uh, John, his gospel is one of, of the four gospels, uh, but it is not one of the synoptic gospels. We have Matthew, Mark, and Luke, uh, and those gospels are considered the synoptic gospels. You can see parallels and almost word-for-word different uh, sections of those gospels that line up very well, but John does something different. John takes a much different approach than Matthew, Mark, or Luke did. Matthew was... Uh, 
really focusing in on the Jewishness of Jesus. Uh, then we see Luke focusing in on how Jesus is a man and, and, and how he's a historically accurate man. Uh, we see Mark. Mark is actually just penning down what most scholars believe is really the gospel according to Peter. As Peter was in prison in Rome, we have John Mark, who was a scribe, scribing down what Peter had to say about Jesus' life. And so that where we get Mark's gospel, and this gospel was a gospel that was really appealing to the Romans, and so it focuses on the power of Jesus, and because Romans, they like power. How many of you guys have seen the movie The Gladiator? They like power, and they like this kind of stuff, and so uh, the gospel writer was like, you know what, we're going to show Jesus as the most powerful person there is in all of the world, and uh, and so we get a little different aspect when we get to John. He's not one of the synoptic gospels, and what John does is he focuses on the eternality of Jesus Christ, uh, not just that he was a Jewish man uh, who did things and fulfilled Jewish law, not that he was a historical man uh, and he could be 100% accurate, and not just that he was a powerful man, but that he was eternal God. And so we see, uh, whereas Luke and Matthew, they give us a genealogy of his physical uh, genealogy here on earth, John starts us off in John chapter 1 with the eternal genealogy uh, of, of Jesus. A very familiar verse to, to, to many Christians, if not most Christians, is John chapter 1, verse 1. It says this, In the beginning was the Word, or in the Greek, the Logos, which is referring to Jesus. And it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. So Jesus was eternally with God since the beginning. Uh, and the Word was God. Jesus is God. And then it goes on to break down how Jesus is very involved in creation. And so since the foundations of this earth, Jesus has been operating and moving uh, in the midst of mankind and in eternity. And so uh, he then breaks down uh, how Jesus... Uh, came and walked among us, and, and if we put our faith in him, we can be called uh, sons and daughters of the light, and we can be people who truly say we have seen the light. And then John fast-forwards uh, to Jesus' ministry. We see Jesus doing things with John the Baptist, and then we see Jesus begin to heal people and begin to preach, and then we see this shift kind of in, in his public ministry of going from uh, to the masses, to correcting the Pharisees, then to, in the latter part of the book, we see him focus in uh, on his keyest uh, and, and closest disciples and followers, and when we get to chapter 14 of John, we see the shift where Jesus now is spending all of his time with his closest disciples, and he really begins to break down uh, truth and some really divine knowledge that had been revealed throughout the Old Testament, but uh, the Jews and Jesus' followers were not yet understanding what Jesus was talking about. We see him start to talk about the Holy Spirit and how his Holy Spirit is here for us as the believer to be a helper uh, and, and to bring power to the believer. Then we see him uh, in the upper room on, on that famous night as he's about to be betrayed, he has this conversation, and we talked about it as the uproom discourse, and how uh, he begins to tell the disciples about the future uh, and some things that are going to take place, and then he begins to pray with them. In John chapter 17, we see Jesus uh, pray for uh, himself, then he prays for his disciples, and then he prays for the church as a whole, and then we see Jesus go into the garden, and then he prays, and then he's betrayed, and all this stuff takes place. And just a few weeks ago, we saw Jesus arrested and then put on trial, and we don't have to reopen up that trial. Uh, double jeopardy, I think, is how come we don't have to reopen it. But uh, it, this trial was a travesty. They did everything wrong. Jesus gets wrongfully uh, accused, wrongfully um, tried, and then wrongfully 
receiving the punishment uh, that was death upon the cross. Then we see Jesus die on the cross, fulfilling prophecies from Psalm chapter 22. And then we see Jesus raised from the dead. And the crazy thing about his resurrection is it changed lives then and there, but it continues to change lives now as we live uh, in this resurrection uh, power that comes from Jesus. Uh, and then last week, uh, we saw Jesus reveal himself to the disciples. We saw him give the disciples his Holy Spirit. We see Thomas, a guy who gets a really bad rap for doubting, uh, end up believing. Uh, and now we're left uh, with the last chapter of the book of John, chapter 21. And I'm going to ask you guys to bear with me as we read through uh, just these 25 verses. Uh, and then we're going to look uh, really about uh, what Jesus has to say in his last few moments here on earth before he ascends into heaven. So this is what it says, uh, John chapter 21. If you got your Bibles, you're already open to John chapter 21. Just throw your finger in it, close your Bible, and hold your Bible up. I want to see the Bibles in the room. Awesome, super cool. If you got your phone, just keep your thumb on the screen. I don't know if that actually does anything except mess you up, but that's okay. How many of you guys, I went through the Dutch Brothers. This is completely off topic, but you guys held up phones for Bibles. How many of you guys have ever gone through the Dutch Brothers drive-thru before and had a guy run out to you with the phone and take your order? Okay, I was doing that today, and it's pouring down rain. And there's water all over his screen. And he was trying so hard. He's like, there's just water all over my screen. I've tried to do my devotions on my phone. And the water messes everything up. And it's just, it's crazy. But that has nothing to do with what we're talking about. John chapter 21, verse 1, it says this. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And in this way, he showed himself. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. And they said to him, We are going with you also. And they went out and immediately got into the boat that they might, or that, and that night they caught nothing. There we go. Uh, but when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, Children, have you any food? And they answered him, No. And he said to them, Cast the net on the other side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast, and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitudes of fish. Therefore, that the disciples whom Jesus, or the disciple whom Jesus loved, said to Peter, "It is the Lord." Now, when Simon Peter heard uh, that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, uh, for he had removed it, and plunged into the sea. I, I, I like to imagine he did a cannonball off the side of the boat. That's kind of <laughs> kind of fun. Uh, but the other disciples came in a little boat, for they were not far from land, but about 200 cubits, dragging the nets with the fish. Then as they had come to the land, they saw a fire of coals there, and the fish laid on it, and bread. And Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish which you have just caught. Simon Peter went up and dragged the net to the land, full of large fish, 153. And although there were so many, the net was not broken. And Jesus said to them, Come and eat breakfast. Yet none of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? Knowing that it was the Lord. Jesus then came and took the bread and gave it to them, and likewise the fish. This is how, or this is now the third time Jesus showed himself to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. And so when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, Then feed my sheep. And then... He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, 
you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, tend to my sheep. And he said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he had said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to the, him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you were old, you or when you are old, you will stretch out your hand, and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. Then he spoke, signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, Follow me. Verse 20 says this, Then Peter, turning around, saw the disciple, whom Jesus loved, following, who also had leaned on his breast at the supper, and said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, But Lord, what about this man? And Jesus said to him, If I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? You, follow me. Then this saying went uh, out among the brethren that the disciple would not die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he would not die. But if I will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? This is the disciple whom testifies of these things and wrote these things. And we know that this testimony is true. And there are also many other things Jesus did, which if they were written down one by one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that would be written about him. Amen. Let's pray. Dear God, we just thank you uh, for your word. God, we thank you that your word uh, is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. God, that your word divides, um, God, between uh, the bone and the marrow down to the soul and the spirit, God, and that your word reveals to us the intentions of our heart. Uh, God, I just pray that tonight, each and every single one of us, in these next few moments, as we take a look at what your perfect word, the perfect law of liberty has to say, God, that each and every single one of us would be changed from the inside out. Uh, God, that we would be encouraged by your word, that we would be inspired by your word. God, and that your word would challenge us to live more like you uh, and to live for you more. Uh, God, we just, uh, we, we thank you for your word. Uh, God, we thank you that you loved us so much that you've given us your word. God, I pray that tonight none of these would be my words, but God, that you would speak through me. Uh, God, anything that would be of me uh, may have fallen deaf ears. Uh, and God, that your perfect word uh, would come through. So God, we just thank you. God, we praise you. Uh, in your son's wonderful and beautiful name, Jesus Christ, and all God's people said. Amen. 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 So just a few thoughts that I want us to focus on, and, and we're actually going to wrap up uh, tonight a lot quicker when it comes to the main message, because uh, I have a few questions for you guys. I want to give you guys opportunity uh, j j just for comments and some discussion. But uh, what we see here, uh, and then the first few verses of chapter 21, uh, is we see the disciples. They've already seen Jesus twice, the first time being there. Uh, when Jesus appeared to them when Thomas wasn't around, and then the second time being when Thomas was there. And now we see Jesus appearing to them the third time. But before he appears, we see these disciples all hanging out. Peter says, you know what? I'm going to just go fish. I'm going to go fish. Now, scholars have debated why Peter was going to go fish. Uh, some say it's because he knew how to fish and he was hungry, so he went to go fish. Others say, and, 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 and it 
there's some evidence that would lend to this, uh, that Peter and, and the disciples, they were still confused about what their future was going to look like. Jesus died. They lost hope in, in, in what he had said. But then they see Jesus, and, and, and their hope is revitalized. But then Jesus is gone again, and they're like, I don't know what to do. So some scholars would say that Peter was just, you know what? I'm going back to my old job. I'm going back to my old way of life. I don't know if Jesus is going to come back. I don't know what's going on. So he goes, and it says that the other disciples said, hey, we're going to go with him. So that could mean, if we take that one view of thought, that uh, Peter was going back to his old job. Peter, an influential disciple, is leading all these other guys to just leave what they were doing and go pick up their old jobs of fishing again. Or these guys just thought Peter was a pretty good fisherman, and they knew that if they went with Peter, they'd get some fish, and they'd be able to eat, uh, because if they went on their own, maybe they wouldn't catch as many fish. Uh, if that first one being true, that they were going to go catch fish and eat a lot of fish because Peter was a good fisherman, uh, then they were all very let down. Because we see here um, that it, it, it tells us they had not caught anything, and they fished all night, and they still didn't catch anything. Uh, so I'm going to chalk that up to Peter being away from fishing for three years. Uh, or the fact that Jesus was about to do something amazing and was about to revitalize and commission these disciples uh, to do something great and something that would impact the world uh, for millennia to come. Uh, they don't get any fish, and then they look up, and uh, Jesus is there on the shore, and, 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 and do they realize it's Jesus? Maybe they don't. Uh, John, being the disciple whom Jesus loves, like, I'm pretty sure that's Jesus over there. I recognize the silhouette. Um, but Jesus asked them if they'd caught any food, uh, and they said no. And he tells them to cast their nets on the other side, and they do. And they get so many fish, they, they, they don't know what to do. They have to drag the nets along the side of the boat. But what I want us to really focus on is not the catching of the fish. It's not the eating of the breakfast with Jesus. It's what happens after this. In verse 15, we see Jesus do something uh, that is so paramount to who Jesus is. Uh, Jesus is uh, a, a, he's a God of redemption. Uh, and, and not only is he a God of redemption, uh, but he's a God of restoration, and, and, and he makes things new. Um, he takes things that we have messed up. He takes things that we're just messed up as a result uh, of being born into a world of sin, and he makes things new in him. If we remember just a few chapters ago, uh, Peter, when Jesus says, uh, hey, you guys are going to betray me, you're going to flee uh, when, when, I, when I get betrayed, uh, Peter's like, whoa, 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 far be it from me. Like, no, I'm going to stand with you to the very end. And Jesus says, no, Peter, I actually tell you this, before the crow, uh, I mean, before the cock crows three times, uh, you're going to deny me. And, and, and that's exactly what then takes place. Peter uh, denies that Jesus is Lord, denies that he knew Jesus, denied that he was involved in Jesus' ministry three times. And uh, we're told in Scripture that Peter is heartbroken by this. Now we're going to see Jesus do something that only he could do. Uh, so they're sitting down, they're eating fish, um, and, and they're having a great time eating fish. And then Jesus says to Peter, he says, hey, you love me more than any of this. Now, some people would say uh, that, that, that Peter was being asked if he loved Jesus more than the other disciples, more than people around him. Uh, but I believe uh, wholeheartedly uh, that what he is asking Peter is Peter said, you know what, I'm going to go back and I'm going to fish. And I think Jesus is asking Peter, hey, do you love me 
more than your previous profession? Do you love me more than your previous way of life? Before I came into your life, do you love me more than who you once were? Uh, and Peter says, yeah, of course I do. Yeah, of course I do. But do you remember just a few days ago, uh, he had denied that Jesus was God. Uh, and Jesus says, hey, if you love me, then feed my sheep. I must be like, okay, I didn't know you were a shepherd. All right, cool. And, uh, but then Jesus goes right back in and he says, hey, do you love me more than these? Peter's like, yeah, I just answered you. Uh, yeah, I do. Jesus says, hey, feed my sheep. So Peter's maybe starting to figure out that something might be happening here. And Jesus says to him one more time, he says, uh, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? It says this, Peter was grieved because he had said the third time, do you love me? And he says, Lord, you know all things that I love you. And Jesus again says to him, feed my sheep. And what we see here uh, is, is Jesus restoring Peter. He denies Jesus three times. And Jesus gives him three opportunities to say, you know what? I love you more than anything. I love you more than the way I used to live my life. I love you more uh, than, than the things that I used to do. Uh, and Jesus then commissions him on each of those things. Feed the sheep, tend the sheep, feed the sheep. Now, we can look at this now and, and, and realize and understand Jesus, uh, who is the great shepherd, um, is instructing and commissioning each of his disciples to be shepherds who tend to flocks. What are these flocks? Uh, it's the followers of Christ. And when Christ is now gone in the physical sense and he sends his Holy Spirit, there's going to need to be those who are in leadership who can uh, shepherd uh, the sheep, and, and, and Jesus is commissioning Peter, hey, go and shepherd the sheep, go and shepherd the sheep, go and shepherd the sheep. And then Jesus goes on uh, to say a few other things about Peter uh, in verse 18, and he talks about how uh, Peter is going to end up giving his life uh, for the Lord. Um, and so Jesus tells him this, Peter's understanding this, uh, and Jesus says, follow me, follow me. First he says, hey, do you love me? Yes. Do you love me? Yes. Do you love me? Yes. Now I've got a job for you. Lead my sheep. And then he says, hey, guess what, Peter? You're going to die for me. Follow me. And Peter has this opportunity to once again deny him and say, all right, no, you know what? Following you is great, but dying for you, that's a different story. But Peter, he's going to end up, as the story goes and tells us, he's going to end up following Jesus. But Peter does what a lot of us do. And, and, and I just love Peter so much because I, I know I can relate to Peter uh, a whole lot. Uh, if we were to look at the history of Peter, uh, we know that his name was once Simon and it was changed uh, to Peter, uh, literally, if, if you were to translate the name Simon, meaning shifty uh, or flaky, someone who just really, I mean, his name even speaks to who he is. He's a flaky person. He can't make up his mind on things, but his name was changed to Peter, uh, which, which, which literally means stone or rock, someone who's firm. So Jesus sees something in him that no one else can see in him. Uh, but Peter, he tends to put his foot in his mouth a whole bunch. Do you remember? He speaks up right there in the example we just talked about. He's like, I'll never leave you. And Jesus says, yeah, you will. And then we see him in the garden, whip out a sword, cut off a guy's ear. Jesus is like, put your sword away, Peter. He just seemed, he, he can't seem to, to get on the right foot. Uh, another time he's like, uh, Jesus, you are the Messiah, the Son of God. And Jesus says, yeah, absolutely. Like flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And then the very next sentence Peter says, when he talks about, we're going to die for you. Jesus says, get thee behind me, Satan. Because Peter, getting caught up 
on his own will, on his own ego, and all these things, uh, he just says the wrong thing all the time. And here, yet again, rather than saying, all right, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. I know I'm going to die, but I'm going to follow you. What he does is he does what I think a lot of us tend to do, uh, and, and we can relate with him on this. When Jesus says, follow me, knowing that you're going to die, he turns around and he sees John coming. And he says, what about him? Is he going to die also? <laughs> and, 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 and I can relate with that so much because... There's times where it's just like, man, life's not fair. Look at this guy. God, like, can I get that? But I love what Jesus says to him. And he says, hey, you know what? Even if John is going to remain here on earth, not going to die until I come, are you still going to follow me? Are you still going to follow me? Um, And the story goes, and and history tells us that Peter does uh, follow Jesus. Just a few days after this, um, we see uh, Peter there with 120 of the disciples up in an upper room, and they're praying. The Bible tells us they're in one accord. Uh, and the promise of the Holy Spirit that we had seen Jesus promise uh, just three chapters ago, uh, it, it comes to fruition and fulfillment. We see them in the upper room there in Acts chapter 1. Uh, they receive the Holy Spirit. And then Acts chapter 2, we see Peter, the one who stands up and raises up and, and, and who gives a sermon talking about how Jesus is the Son of God and how all the Old Testament points to Jesus. We see him in that moment operating in the boldness from the Holy Spirit. 3,000 people are added to the church. And he begins to do what Jesus said he was going to do by tending to the sheep, feeding the sheep, and being a shepherd. Story goes on. Uh, He ends up pastoring some churches uh, in in northern Turkey. Uh, He writes two letters that we have in the New Testament to these churches, just talking about how Jesus is the cornerstone, about how Jesus is uh, the rock upon which the church is built. And then history tells us that that under the reign of Nero uh, in in the 60 ADs, Peter ends up losing his life. He, He ends up giving his life for the Lord, fulfilling not only the prophecy here in verse 18, but really bringing into into truth what Jesus said when it says, hey, if you seek to gain your life on this earth, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life on this earth, you will gain eternal life in heaven. And what Peter does is he ends up being crucified. uh, And Peter, history tells us, and and, and, uh, the Christian historian Eusebius uh, tells us that Peter was not just crucified, but he was crucified upside down. And the reason why he was crucified upside down is because he said, uh, I am not worthy to die the same way as my Savior, uh, and and gives his life for the Lord. Uh, And just some amazing things happened as a result uh, of, of Peter's life and of Peter's ministry, all because God is a God of restoration. So what's the practical application that we can pull from Jesus having breakfast with his disciples? Well, I think very clearly, no matter what we've done in our lives and no matter how many times we fail, the very same God who said to Peter, hey, you betrayed me, you betrayed me, you betrayed me, he says, hey, you can have restoration, you can have restoration, you can have restoration, and I'm going to put you back into a place of, uh, of leading my people. So here's the practical application. No matter what you've done in this life, no matter uh, how many times you've messed up, Jesus still today says, hey, do you love me? Do you love me? And he gives us that opportunity to respond back and say, you know what? I do love you and I want to follow you. Because the very same thing he beckons Peter, follow me, follow me, is what he says to us, is what he says uh, to all of humanity. Uh, And so I just want to encourage you on that practical application. 
Jesus uh, is, is referring to uh, just his unconditional love for us. And, and he is giving that love uh, and extending that towards us. And we can take that and then be an extension of that love to the world around us. Uh, now, one of the other things that, that we pick up from uh, in this portion of Scripture uh, is John, uh, who's writing this book under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says this in verse 23. Uh, now this saying went among the brethren uh, that this disciple, being himself John, would not die. Uh, and I love that John has this opportunity here. Uh, he's got this uh, legend or myth now going about him that he's not going to die because of a misconception that people had of what Jesus says. Uh, but John, he, he, he's his own myth buster. And he says, but Jesus never actually said I would not die. <laughs> Uh, that makes me think a few things about John because we know that, that from history that John is writing this towards the end of his life. Uh, many scholars believe that it, he was writing this in the early 90s uh, AD. So, so John has lived a very long life. Um, his time with Jesus as a disciple, he was probably 14 years old. Now you throw another 60 years onto that. He's in his late 70s and, and, and John is writing these things down. And rather than claiming invincibility or, or immortality, uh, John says, no, Jesus never said that. I think the reason why John says that is because John uh, had a longing to be with Jesus again in heaven. Uh, now, one could say, well, Matt, that's just conjecture. How do you get that from that verse? And I would say, well, you know, on some levels, you're probably right about it being conjecture. But also, we, we must remember this that John has lived for Jesus. He's pastored many churches by this point. He's been exiled to the island of Patmos, spent years on the island of Patmos, then was released from exile, goes back to Ephesus to pastor a church, and that's when he's writing down this gospel. But something took place on that island, and, and, and it's recorded for us in the last book of the Bible. It's the revelation that he receives there on that island, and, and, and he sees Jesus. And then he's translated up to heaven, so he gets a taste of heaven. We're told in Revelation uh, that he was able to see the things in heaven, but he was told not to write those things down. I can imagine John with this rumor of he's never going to die. He wants to debunk that because he's like, you know what? I can't wait. Yeah. I can't wait to be there again with Jesus. And, and, and that's another practical application uh, that I think we can pull from this. Uh, we're told uh, in, in the writings of Paul that there's a crown for those who long to be in heaven, to long uh, for, for Jesus' return. Um, the early church, the disciples and the writers of the New Testament, uh, they longed for the return of Christ. Uh, they longed to be with Jesus. Um, now one could say that that was because, well, they spent time with him. Of course they want to be with their friend again. Uh, but I think it's a lot more than just the physical side of it. I think they realize that the world in which we live, uh, it, 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 it's, it's dying, it's decaying, uh, and it's all because of sin. And, and they long for the perfection uh, that came uh, in heaven. But they did not let that sequester themselves from the rest of the world where they're just like, I'm just going to sit in a corner and dream about heaven. They said, no, I want to bring as many people to heaven with me as I can. And so we see the church go from uh, this 120 followers of Christ that are there in the upper room in Acts to then 3,120 to the next chapter of Acts to 5,000. And it goes on that people were added to the church daily. By the time we get to chapter 6, it says the church began to multiply because it was no longer at this rapid state, it began to become exponential, and, and then the church grew because people were longing uh, to be with Jesus again, and were longing to be in his presence. 
And so John here uh, debunks this rumor that, 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 that he's immortal. And he says, no, nah, uh, I'm going to die. Uh, and uh, I can't wait uh, to be with Jesus again uh, in heaven. Verse 24 says this. Uh, it says, this is the disciple, uh, or I, John, I testify to you these things uh, and wrote down these things. And we know that this testimony is true. Uh, what John did uh, throughout his gospel is, is he gave historical proof uh, and, and he gave physical proof that Jesus Christ was Messiah. Uh, and really this gospel, these 21 chapters, uh, is an appeal to the non-believer uh, that when you read these things that you would believe, that you would believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. Uh, and, and he ends this by saying these testimonies are true. And there are also many other things that Jesus did which if they were written one by one, this is where I just love the way John writes. He says, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Um, it's, it's pretty cool uh, to, to think that Jesus uh, did so much more than we even have in Scripture. Uh, and one could spend time uh, thinking, oh man, what did Jesus do? What did Jesus do? Uh, scholarship tries to tell us today that, hey, we found these other books about what Jesus did. And, and look, when, when, when he was a baby, he, he killed somebody. Go look it up on your own, the Gospel of Thomas. It's crazy, uh, and it's all false. It's all false. People spend time trying to figure out all the other things that Jesus did. Uh, but in all reality, the things that we need uh, to know about Jesus are written down in Scripture. And the best part about it is it's, it's a game plan. It's a blueprint. It's a roadmap for how we uh, are to live our lives uh, and, and to live in such a way uh, that the world sees Christ in and through us so that they also uh, might believe. Um, so as we wrap up this study uh, through the book of John, um, I want you guys not just to, 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 to take this and be like, all right, awesome, we studied John, I'm never going to read John again. Um, I still uh, read through the book of John. Uh, once every year just because I think this book uh, is so rich. And I want to encourage you guys uh, to continue to dig into it because just like John said there at the end, uh, man, if I wrote down everything, there wouldn't be enough paper. Uh, there's not enough sermon time or air time for us to be able to fully just digest everything that is within this gospel. Uh, and, and so I want to encourage you guys, and, and I, I can't say this enough, that we uh, as followers of Christ, when, when, when you say, I'm going to follow Jesus, um, that's not just, I'm going to go to church on Sunday, listen to what a pastor has to say, and take it and run with it. No, we are called, and, and if you just look at the Psalms, and you look at what David writes to us in, in, in Psalm 119, he talks about how he loves God's Word, and, and, and how he spends time in God's Word, uh, and how he praises God seven times a day because he's in God's Word. Um, we need to be people. Uh, and it's it's not me saying I want you guys to be. It's not me saying, hey, that's a good idea to be. No, we need to be people who are in God's Word constantly. We need to be saturating uh, ourselves with God's Word because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. And if we saturate our hearts with the Word of God, that when situations... Uh, when situations occur in our lives, we won't be speaking from the flesh. We won't be speaking uh, from this world, but we'll allow the Word of God to speak through us uh, in, into our circumstances and our situations. Uh, and, and what better 
example and what better uh, things to be speaking than the very things that Jesus said and the very things that Jesus did uh, as we read uh, through the book of John. So I just want to encourage you guys uh, to continue to study the word of of God uh, and to continue to study uh, what what the gospel of John uh, has to say. Uh, So uh, that's that's really it. We're wrapping up the book of John. Uh, And so we're going to pray. And then I just have a a few things I want to uh, discuss with all of you guys. So let's pray. Dear God, we thank you so much uh, for your word. God, we thank you um, for our time in this series, um, God. Uh, and, and I just pray that, that for each of us, that the, that the words um, that are contained within Scripture, the words that are contained within the Gospel of John here, uh, God, I pray that they would ring true to us uh, on a daily basis. God, that we would uh, hide them in our heart. Uh, God, that you would bind them to our heart. And that, God, we would, uh, God, that we would love you. Uh, God, that we would love you and that, 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 that we would follow you uh, and that we would believe that you are the Christ. Uh, God, and that we would truly see the light. Uh, God, that we would take the light. Uh, and, and like the Gospel of Matthew tells us, uh, God, that we would set that light up on a hill, that we would be a city on a hill, a lampstand on a hill, God, uh, that no one can extinguish the light um, that is you, God, and that we would shine that light in this world. Um, and God, that the darkness uh, would see the light. Uh, God, and that lost souls would give their heart to you. Uh, so God, we thank you uh, and we praise you uh, in your son's wonderful and beautiful name, Jesus Christ, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen.